This is the Average Guy Network, and you found on Gadget Geek Show number 304, recorded on April 6th, 2017. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all through the Average Tech app. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. The sun finally came out. My kids were kind of complaining that the uh, it, they felt like they'd lived in Seattle. It was raining every day. I think it's been raining every day here for the last, uh, oh, I don't know, last week or so. It's been kind of gray and overcast. A sunny day today. It's always nice. Uh, people are just nicer when it's sunny. And, of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week. Out at TheAverageGuy.tv, you can join us on our live mobile app as well. If you haven't checked that out, all kinds of links to do that. Right there on the live page, actually. No, that's not true either. That, that'll get you subscribed. But if you head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com, all the buttons to subscribe to all our podcasts are there. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of the mobile app and uh, available for you out there if you want to check it out. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Again, LastPass, thanks for their sponsorship. And if you haven't looked at last last passes annual subscriptions 12 bucks so if you haven't uh you haven't done that you know you get you get pretty much everything for free premiums pretty sweet though so you might want to give that a check pretty cost effective i don't know how i live without last pass so we'll thank them for their sponsorship and of course if you want to if you don't want to do that but you want to support the show you can uh, you can use our patreon link so if you head out up to the average guy.tv and check and look for the patreon link over on the right hand side you can click that one in $5 plans. I've had some interesting thoughts about different kind of campaigns. We'd actually like to hear from you. What would you like? T-shirts or stickers? We did stickers once. I don't know. What what, what are the kinds of things would you you'd be interested in? Send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Let me know. Maybe we'll come up with something uh, interesting that uh, you can engage with from a Patreon perspective. Have fun with the podcast. Love to hear from you again. Theaverageguy.tv. Look for the Patreon link or go to theaverageguy.tv. Slash support. All right, some fun tonight. I'm gonna try this. I've never done this before, and um, you might never hear. You might hear a ding. Let me let me close Facebook really quick because that's gonna get kind of ugly if we keep. Uh, if you hear the system sounds, we'll just close the browser altogether. We are going to. I did some uh, interviews at uh, Infotech Infotech 2017. Eight interviews that we did over the next couple. Um, over the next four to six weeks or so, we'll play these in the the good ones. We'll play these into the podcast. And uh, the two that I picked tonight, uh, one, uh, the very first one we're going to look at has to do with drones, which is pretty cool. So it's an unusual interview in the sense of where it's coming from in the business. So you're going to want to listen carefully. It was a good one. Surprised me when I did the interview. And then the second one, we're going to do Dustin Tower. He's actually been on the show before. We're gonna, and because we had Ghost Browser on, he was at Infotech talking about some Chrome development. So we're going to play that one in as well. Each of these is about 20 minutes. I'm going to hang. You won't be able to see me. But I'm going to hang back. Uh, we're going to show the video. And uh, I'll hang back and uh, I'll be in the chat room. So if you have some questions or whatever, and then uh, maybe uh, we can, if you've got some questions, we can save those up and I can answer them maybe or whatever uh, when we come back in live. Jim Collison, we're live from Infotech 2017 here with Brian Seeger and from Kiwit. Correct. Brian, yep. welcome. Thanks thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Let's do a little bit about you to get okay. started. Uh, tell us about who you are, where you're from, your role at Kiwit, some sure. of those kinds of things. So I, I'm with Kiwit Technology Group currently. I've been with Kiwit about 10 years. I've had all different types of roles within Kiwit. Uh, I worked an in internal audit. I worked as part of a process improvement project to implement SAP. 
other technologies. I worked out within the business, a business unit in Kansas City, uh, Kiewit Power Constructors for about two years. I've been in my current role for three years. So in the technology group, we partner with the business to, to uh, solve business problems that they have. Mm -hmm. And so my particular area of influence is really HR, payroll, and finance, but I've been trying to kind of broaden out and kind of learn more about what we're doing with HoloLens, drones, and things that impact yeah. our, our operations. It's not, <laughs> not core to HCM, payroll, and finance, but it's, it's an odd, lot, it's, uh, those are odd bedfellows a that's little bit. correct, yeah. yeah. But um, we've got a great group that's that's been doing a lot of that work. And uh, our technology group is really excited about where we've come in the last, you know, three or four years in terms of, part, you know, I always say partner, 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 but we work with the business, you know, without the business. In, in our business, for those that don't know about Kiwit, engineering construction is the lifeline of our work. And so anything that we can do to make their lives better, more productive, give them better information, we'll, we'll all be in good shape. Yeah, we all know Kiwit and Omaha pretty well, uh, but outside of Omaha, chances are, You've driven across a bridge that's been built by Kiwit or a building that's, that's been built, correct. a road construction. We do engineering, all types of construction. So you mentioned uh, highway, power plants, vertical building, wastewater treatment, you name it, we've, we've done it. Yeah. And we're fairly, our, our headquarters is in Omaha. We're fairly decentralized in terms of we have operating districts, we call them, throughout the U.S. and Canada, even Australia. And so they really kind of operate, obviously, with the same core values and, and principles, but they get to know kind of that that community. They establish themselves. They know the market. They know the demands, relationships. So they're kind of their own competitive business units, all under the you know the overall governance Kiwa. Yeah, all the Kiwa umbrella. We're super proud of Kiwa. It shows up all the time in Omaha stuff, and in uh, our you guys are good friends to the city of Omaha and what we do from a, a community standpoint. So so you can you can thank the the group there at Kiwa for doing that. We always appreciate that. Um, Talk a little bit about what you're hoping to, you, you got a session that's coming up. Correct. Um, talk a little bit about what, what are you hoping that folks walk away with? So what we're trying to do is that we, we've been using HoloLens, drones, and some other technology as it relates to our business. And so what I'm hoping to do is, it's not a seminar or an infomercial for the technology per se, but trying to use our business as a backdrop to kind of help resonate the use cases that we've, that we've come across, some lessons learned that I think may apply to those that aren't in engineering and construction, because I'm sure that's a limited audience here, but I think it's nice to have a tangible business process to kind of apply the technology to. And I'm hopeful, I mean, it's right after lunch, so we'll see how that <laughs> works, but hopeful to have some interaction in terms of, we're not the only ones that have touched HoloLens yeah. or used drones um, and some other modeling that we're doing, but to have a little bit of interaction there and, and get some information from them. But the lessons learned piece, I think will be it's just it's just our perspective, our opinion, but hopefully it generates some conversation and ideas. Yeah, when we think of drones and large scale projects, that makes sense. So, so let's hold that for a second. Sure. I think most people go Hololens. What? Like yep. it's a very specialized. When we think about mixed reality, yep. and it's got great promises when it comes to gaming. It does. But that's what most people know it for. So I'm right. super excited that you guys are thinking about it. When you think about how what how Hololens could change. Kiwit, right? How it could be used? What are you seeing? Where? What are the applications? Yeah, if you talk about, and I touch on this just for again for one slide because I don't want to lose the audience and just the <laughs> construction aspect of it. But we have different phases of, of a construction project, and so you obviously have to get a project to build a project. And so, in that pre-construction estimating side, you think about the marketing potential that's there. You think about a presentation to a potential client in terms of I'm able to take the specs that you gave me. 
I can show you my project team. I can show you plans that we've got. I can I can show you the model from the grounds up, the ground up. I can take you within the model. You can experience kind of our vision for that building and how that's going to work. Of course, you have to have the HoloLens now to, to wear that and experience that. But over time, if it takes off, you can see that no different than a laptop or a iPhone that we all have or some kind of a device. Yeah. That's just from a marketing standpoint. When you go to actually build the work then, think about conversations with subcontractors or people that you work with that theoretically you wouldn't have to go to site for every single conversation about where utilities are, different options that you have you know, to build the space. In the session, we'll use um, a vertical building. It's a $72 million redevelopment project in Denver. It's, it's a real you know, live project as kind of the backdrop for the, the summary there and kind of take them through. Have a short video that we just pause at certain points to kind of show them with voice commands what's what's possible with HoloLens. Yeah, I love that kind of pre-sales idea too of if we want to in picture, if we want to envision what something could be, what a right. better way to do it than to put on, you know, uh, a mixed reality device of some sort and then both be able to interact with the physical plant. Right. That's there, and then overlay. This is what it will look like in the future correct. as they're seeing through. Is that kind of what you're envisioning? That's correct, and it really brings it to life. Um, I think that we're. It will take some time to get to where we're having really detailed conversations about the model or what we're building, but just an overall awareness of the concept makes a lot of sense in the short term. I think as people adopt the technology, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what we could do with it. Yeah. We actually talked to about, we'll talk about the drones later, but the ability to take some of the photographs from a drone, take some photogrammetry, put that together in an actual live kind of simulated job walk. I mean, you think about how that could you know, change our business. Mm -hmm. So much of it is people wanting to come to the site to see what's being built, both to be reassured about how it's being built for progress, to see and feel and touch the work. Um, if you could bring that through the HoloLens, you're talking about, you know, just soft cost savings and not traveling, but you're really, really able to kind of enrich the experience for someone who can't be at site all the time. Yeah, uh, it's a great way to get people involved who may be in another country Correct. to to be able to interact directly sure. with that. Right? Are you uh, HoloLens is not for the faint at heart? Are you? Do you have a partner that you're you're working so through? We've partnered with Microsoft. Um, I believe we are we were on the kind of the, the forefront of having those devices within Nebraska. I know this is a, a national audience, but we own seven devices right now. We've worked with them since April of 16. Um, we've tried to kind of make the road shows without our, you know, throughout our districts to see what's possible. One of the lessons learned that you mentioned too is that um, we realized very quickly that we needed to kind of broaden our thinking in terms of what HoloLens lends itself well to. You can't think about just Microsoft documents or Excel documents or just flat flat data and, and charts that have no dimension to them and the skill set required to kind of get those things going. You talk about the uni Unity uh, gaming background is particularly helpful in this space. Mm -hmm. And those that have that are very excited to kind of be able to use that kind of beyond, you know, a gaming enterprise, but really transition it to a business need that we've got. Yeah. Now, right on. The other um, use case I've seen uh, that from Microsoft is a uh, uh, an engineer who might be, or a, uh, someone who's trying to fix something, being able to put a pair, of and then Correct. because the building specs are loaded in, it will show you where wiring and piping is behind That's the walls. Right. Is that something you guys have looked into so far? It is, yeah. I would say that 
some of the early stuff has been on that get work marketing side, but you're, you're correct. I know other industries are using it for, you know, training medical students or training, you know, optometrists to kind of look at the human eye and kind of interact with things like that. And so you could see where uh, mechanics, you could see welding, all types of things where yeah. you can actually bring someone um, within that experience. Yeah. I, I just would think it'd be dynamite. I think about a building like this, and if I need to know if I'm if I'm getting ready to do something on this, this building's been around almost uh, five or six years. Nobody remembers that's right where stuff is at, and so to be able to get a physical blueprint laid across yes. what I'm currently looking at, I think would be super helpful, especially remodels, major construction yep. projects where we're adding on some of those kinds of things. Well, we talk about that in the session where we kind of just take a coffee shop that's part of that building that's part of the redevelopment effort and we walk them through and we overlay the utilities and we pull them back out we walk them through that you could do table or full option one or two and it's kind of overlaying the different options there and it, it's a fairly simplified example but you could see where we could take this if we continue on this journey yeah well it's early that's right right it's early and it will only get better as we get our equipment improves and you know microsoft it's great that you guys are doing this and pushing the envelope uh, when we think about drones, so we add drones to the equation, remote flybys and flyovers, are those yes. some things that you guys are thinking about? Correct. I mean, it's, it's even as small as we used to have to contract third parties just to take site project photos for us. And so the example that we use in the session is uh, a $515 million power plant in um, New Carlisle, New, uh, Indiana, St. Joe Energy Center. And so it takes just a beautiful photo of the project site. And we no longer have to go a third-party route for all those things. We can do that ourselves. It obviously lends itself nicely to a time-lapse video where you can show it, you know, dynamic building of that project over a two-and-a-half-year period. Those things are just kind of soft little things. You talk about then the ability to do uh, crane inspections, something like being able to fly the drone up to do a, a limited view of some safety protocol, not having to lower the crane all the way down, losing time and efficiency, if we're in a confined space in operations, not having to have to lay that thing down as opposed to leaving it up in an operable fashion, all those things are, are, are what makes us excited about the drones. And so we have, I think about 20 projects own their own drones currently. We've contracted with some third parties to do some larger scale drone um, operations for us. And we're actually have an NDA in place with a, a company called Reconstruct to look at some of that photogrammetry a little bit more, you know, taking your building information model, taking your schedule and taking the photos and putting that together in a powerful package. Yeah, it, I, I've watched um, a lot of uh, private uh, drone owners have kind of got into the business of filming a lot of really cool footage yes. and then putting that online. 4K has come very quickly to the drone yes. uh, um, you know, set of materials that are available. Um, in fact, uh, on Home Gadget Geeks, the show I do, I've got two drone, three drone owners coming on this Thursday. And we're going to be talking about how the average guy is using yeah. drones today, which is super complicated. That's Real right. estate is taking advantage of this, of being able to do a flyover of a, somebody's home. Yes. Um, so that's pretty cool. Have you have done, have you done much work? You'd mentioned um, time, um, uh, you know, where you're taking pictures in increments yeah. of time. Have you also done some things where the drone automates itself to go out and, and run the same the same pattern or uh, look at the same or doing some inspections in areas where it's hard to reach. Those yeah, not kinds so of much things. inspections, but, but in terms of that, you know, where we have a power plant, for example, where it's, it's a large project site, but it's not a highway that just extends on for miles and miles and miles, but you can, 
you can take advantage of programming it to cover that confined site and doing some of those site project photos with it. Yeah. I think that that's kind of where we're at right now with it. But again, the sky's the limit. I would, well, I would just think that automated piece of it, nine o'clock in the morning, that drone takes off yeah. and it does its rounds and then it, it docks and it, it downloads all that info yeah. and then it runs again at four or whatever, you know? And one of the things we, we're going to talk about too, and I'm curious what the audience thinks, but I think initially and, and even now, whether it's personal use or business, drones are, they're cool, they're fancy, people are excited about it. But you have to look at what what information do you need? What problem does it solve? How frequent of information, you know, it's only good if you could take action on it or react to it as a business standpoint. We're trying hard to not become necessarily experts in having to operate the drone. That's a skill set you can go out, you can get that. But knowing what information is impactful to our business, I think everyone in that in that audience in there can can think about whatever industry they're in, less about, I mean, there's so much regulation with the drones. And for us, we have to think about what state are we in? What are we building next to? Are we next to a government agency? Are we doing airport work? Not anyone can just go out there and do it. So if you think about the data parts of it and how you can react with the information, I mean, that's one of our lessons learned is that don't, don't get too carried away with how fancy the drones are and the, the neat parts of it. That can be on Saturday and Sunday, but Think, think about the data that you can do yeah. and use with it. Well, and you also have to think, uh, you know, the durability. If this yes. thing is in the air flying all the time, uh, that it's going to take a little more use than your hobbyists. Although some of these drones, even these hobbyist it's drones, amazing. very expensive. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But you think about, you almost have to think about construction grade. Your the equipment that your folks use to build these is not what you find at Home Depot. That's right. Right. And so you're also probably paying a little bit more to make sure it can survive. That's correct. Have you had to work much with the FFA, with the FAA as we think about, you know, being in the air and you mentioned government? Yeah, we just we've been trying to establish best practices throughout the company, no different than any other compliance area, whether it was, you know, uh, equal opportunity employment or any other compliance environmental things that we do. And so we've established some good rigor around, you know, having discipline within our organization, not that with the decentralized model that people know that you just can't go out and buy this off the shelf or buy it through manufacturer and think you can go out the next day and do it. And so we have people that can help give um, those best practices within our organization for some guidance. Yeah, our keynote, John Rossman, this morning. Uh, talked about um, Boeing. It was one of those uh, selling their engines as a service. How realistic for you guys? Like you don't want to be a drone owner. That's correct. Drones as a service. Is that something that you were a, they would lease drone time out to you? You know, it's, I never say no to a a potential idea that hasn't come up right now. Um, But I think you raise a good point. Initially, I think we need to continue to challenge ourselves to think beyond you know, just the today and now, what's possible long term. Yeah. We think more about engineering and that skill set as more of a marketable feature for project management of a construction job, potentially externally, than we do about the drones and, and listing that to the outside market. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic. Yeah, and the drones almost just become a crane or a That's bulldozer, or right. It just becomes yeah. part of the project manager's tool set to be able sure. to do whatever he needs to do to make sure the construction is done with quality or it meets specifications, right? That's right. That's correct. I mean, there's nothing more important to us than safety. And so we're trying to look at ways to, whether it's the photogrammetry with surveying and making that a more safe, you know, safer enterprise. We talked about the inspection angle of that, you know, that I think it's limitless when it comes to safety. 
And then when you talk about quality and obviously on-time delivery, to have a happy customer to meet our contractual end dates, those are all things that can help us. Yeah, no, very cool. Have you guys, uh, certainly you've been using, when we think of drones today, a fixed propeller type drone. Have you done any work with the more, with the, with the drones that can fly farther, higher, when you think of the large scale freeway or whatever those? For those, we've kind of gone more the third party route for now, kind of trying to limit our investment in terms of, you know, getting too carried away with it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that there'll be time for that as well. Yeah, I think that's a, another interesting, that's, I think, yeah. where a drone as a service comes in because they are fairly expensive and yeah. yet you can land, take off from just about anywhere as well as yeah. get much higher and the aerial photography on those is pretty amazing. I, that's right. Probably we'll see Google move to that model eventually for a lot of their aerial photography. I, I would think so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anything else in your session? We talked uh, We talked HoloLens drones. Anything else we you're talk, highlighting? We talked about, now we don't know a lot about it quite yet, but Daiquiri Smart Glass. And so when you look at what HoloLens provides, it, it's, a, it's a similar type of um, business need that they're trying to fit, but it's a little bit more industrial in terms of how it's built. So when you look at that and the smart helmet, now that I believe those come out June of this year. We've got a couple pre-orders for those. I show a couple pictures. We talk about what's possible. Can you talk a little bit? You said smart helmet. What's yeah. uh, What separates that? Why is why is that smart? Well, so, from, a, from, a, from a safety standpoint, yeah. I mean, it, it is an actual helmet with the holographic you know, frame okay. on the front. I admittedly don't know a lot about it quite yet. Okay. There's marketing material out there that the people can consume. So I, I don't I don't talk about lessons learned or personal experiences there. It's more of an awareness. Yeah. If there's people in that room that in their enterprise or industry may have a need for that, something to look at to yeah. look at. Um, we'll we'll have to again, we'll have to kind of gauge because we talk about, you know, HoloLens. I mean, maybe five years from now people will walk around twenty four seven with HoloLens. I I don't think so. Yeah. And we talk about the social factors along with HoloLens that if we get people kind of one-on-one -on -one wearing the device, they're more comfortable consuming it. They're comfortable kind of walking around. If you have a group of people, it's interesting that they put it on and after 30 to 45 seconds, they, they kind of want to take it off. It's a little bit awkward for them. I think it's. I think right now it's a tool that we use for business, no different than your laptop. It's not something that meant to be, you know, Google Glass has, has, depending on how successful you feel like that has been, that was kind of more marketed around. I'm kind of wearing that a lot while I'm doing my work, but you're not sure if they're looking at you or something else. And there's some awkwardness there. And this is not a techno technological discussion. It's just that some it's of those social, social factors, yeah. we'll see where these things go long-term and see kind of where, you know, what role they play in our, our use of them. Yeah, that's great insight. You know, we wouldn't carry our laptop around you know i wouldn't it's, it would be awkward if i just and i do this at work yeah but i wouldn't do this in public i wouldn't just walk <laughs> around with my laptop you know oftentimes when i go from meeting to meeting i don't want to shut it i've been the same thing at locked. So, yeah you just, yeah you just kind of carry it around i've sometimes even carried it like but this you're not open. typing or you're not moving no, the some, actually i sometimes i have it's it's that's odd like people are like come on now however we're breaking the barrier down with our phone how yeah. often do you see people now, you would never do this at Union Pacific. They have various rules in their organization. Yeah. You can't walk around and look at your phone. I mean, safety. From a simple right? safety standpoint, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, I which I think is great. I'm sure you guys have some similar safety right. rules, right? Um, but that's becoming more and more common. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering, will we see a similar um, phenomena happen with wearables where it eventually becomes – it always starts off being weird, and then it yeah. gets necessity – you think about somebody who's wearing a smart helmet all day at work, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem so weird 
uh, to, you know, it, it may not. And we'll have to evaluate, um, how it compares to a, a normal hard hat and those yeah. types of things, compression testing and all that, but it may not be as weird in that environment. Yeah. I mean, even Bluetooth technology and those things, those were yeah. a little bit odd initially. And yeah. now it's very accepted or people at the grocery store are walking around with headphones constantly. Yeah. Well, it's I think accepted. of a pilot, I think of an astronaut. I would think of, you know, some of these, these, um, uh, truck driver, uh, where they're getting the heads up, you know, they're in there, they're shoot. We know, that um, automated buses are coming. And yeah. so, you know, there may be a step where eventually, you know, we're in the car with a headset and we're seeing things in real time, but still seeing through them yes. to know where we're at. I mean, think how productive we could be if I could be reading my email in the car right. while the car is driving itself. So there's t it's, it's exciting times. I think is. there's some great stuff coming. It yeah. Is. From that very standpoint. Exciting. So good. Well, Hey, this very, very interesting. Like, uh, you, you don't necessarily, when you think of a construction company or even a, a Union Pacific, a Kiwit, right. being on the forefront, you would expect that HoloLens to maybe be at Skyvoo or some of those gaming yeah. companies. And yet, exciting to hear you guys have purchased six. We've got seven of them. Yeah. Um, but really just trying to stay ahead of, you know, our business is evolving in all different, you know, whether it's how we build the work or operations or those types of endeavors that are a little bit more core to what we do. But technology can become a real enabler for us. Yeah. It won't recreate the good people that we've got or lessons learned in terms of how to build work or relationships with owners, but it can help supplement. Yeah, well things. it can and it can make it can make a difference in making people more productive or making right. them safer. Train engineer would be another, right? Yeah. Where where they could see ahead and combine that with a drone that's flying overhead and kind of tracking what's going on on the track ahead. There's some real, real world examples of how you take these technologies that are a little niche today, I That's think, right. and make them real world. And hopefully that resonates with the audience. So they, they're able to kind of, yes, it's a little bit focused on the construction piece, but they can go back and apply yeah. it and learn something. Well, forever, for anybody who missed your session, a little recap of it here, I think, equally exciting. So Brian, thanks for taking hey, a few minutes you, Jim. To, to be with us. You bet. Hang tight for just one yeah. second. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I I hadn't done a ton of research going into this video, uh, recording this video, and uh, to hear Brian was coming from the business unit. This wasn't the tech. These aren't the tech guys talking about this stuff. This is the business unit, which really makes me think. You know, wow, we have come. Uh, you know, and drones have been around. It's not they're not new. I mean, we're 20 years into drones, guys. But when we think about the way the military has used them and the way they've been out there before. But um, just amazing, the, the it's gone to the business. Lots of great stuff. And so that, that interview surprised me uh, coming that way. That was one of those when I got done. I was, I was like, wow, this is really good. So I wanted to share that with you guys um, as well. All right, one more. Dustin Tower, I think he's been on the show here before. You've definitely heard him. Uh, Dustin has been a part of uh, what we do here on Home Gadget Geeks a couple times, and you've heard him either at Infotech or Heartland Developer Conference. Uh, ties in a little bit. He had talked about some, they're doing some development, some developer tools for the Chrome browser. Mm, does this pertain to the average guy? I don't know. I found it interesting, and I hope you do too. Let me spin them up. Again, we're live from Infotech 2017 here with Dustin Tower, and Dustin's a veteran at uh, <laughs> at this, although... Oh, first of all, Dustin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me again. 
you've done a variety of things in the years that you've been here mm -hmm. and doing that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your session. I think it's coming up, right? Yeah, 2.15 yeah. today. Uh, I'm doing a uh, kind of a walkthrough of the Chrome browser developer tools. So uh, kind of every single browser has uh, a set of tools underneath the hood that are available to everyone. So when you're yeah. trying to kind of debug your website, whether it's the look of it or you're trying to performance test it and see what's slowing down the loading, um, all that tooling is built right into the browser and you just have to pop it open and run a couple of profiles and you're, you're good to go. Cool. Let's pay the bills. Let's yeah. Where are you from? What do you do? <laughs> Who do you work for? Those kinds of things. Let's uh, get that out of the way. I, I, from St. Paul, Minnesota. I work for Easel Solutions. I've been there for about 11 years now. Uh, we, are, uh, we are kind of traditionally an Adobe training partner. So we kind of train over the years over all the products Adobe has from the Creative Cloud, a lot of the, uh, the Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, you know, the Dreamweaver, the, you know, used to be Flash, now Adobe Animate. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those kind of uh, desktop tools. Uh, we also do a lot of e-learning development, uh, web development. So we kind of have the training side, kind of have the consulting side for our clients that uh, don't have time to learn and just want us to do it for them. And, uh, and, and then mixed in with that are obviously conferences and a lot of, you know, I probably present at four or five conferences a year, uh, give or take. So, uh, so it's a good kind of mixture of in my office, just learning new technologies, teaching people those technologies and, and going out and talking about them. Yeah, no. And, and, and I've known you, it seems like you come each to each one of these conferences with a little mm -hmm. bit of a different twist. You're talking about Chrome browser and, yep. and this, what, um, what's the state of the browser today when you think about, Microsoft is coming on with Edge. You know, we're, yeah. we're deprecating for the most part. Is that the right word? We're deprecating? Deprecating is a good way to, to, to put yeah, yeah, for yeah. the most part. And Firefox has seemed, seemed to be there, but then it's it, it, it makes these ebbs and flows. So what's in your in your mind, when we think about the browser, are we in good shape today? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's probably the most exciting time for being a web developer because we're finally at a state where... Uh, the, the browser competition is so good that they all, they, they not only are competing against each other to kind of, you know, be the best browser, but they're also actually helping each other out a lot by, by participating in what are the standards that are we, are we developing toward, you know, what, what is, what should a browser be able to do? And let's just, let's agree on a common way to implement that. We're back in the, you know, like early 2000s and mid 2000s. It was always, if you did any kind of web development that didn't involve Flash, where you had kind of a unified player, it was, okay, if they're in Internet Explorer, you got to have this code. If they were in Firefox, you had to have this code. And it was just, it was really difficult to be a web developer because you had to account for all these user scenarios. And nowadays, the browsers are very, very similar in what they implement and what they allow. And you're more focused on just using the latest technologies um, and being able to, you know, kind of have a lot of fun with those technologies. Yeah. Has HTML5 made a difference in that space? With it, yeah, it, it absolutely has in the sense that it it it's it has created a standard. It's created just this is this is what the web is, and the browsers now conform to that standard versus trying to implement their own sort of cases. And a great example is, um, you know, layout on the web, like trying to get things positioned where you want them to go has just always been the bane of any web designers. And there's a brand new uh, CSS feature called CSS Grid, which allows you to do layout in a really intuitive, really simple way. Well, that feature 
just came out like two weeks ago, and literally four of the browser vendors all support it now natively in their latest in the latest version. So just the fact that like a new feature could be finalized and released, and the browsers support it that fast and in that level of consistency, really really great for yeah. developers. You mentioned Flash, and and I'm uh, you know I don't live in the browser world, and nope. I hear bad things about Flash. But it, yet it still lives on. It's, well, it, uh, <laughs> it, are we it's, ever? It's, it's, it's like just hanging on with dear life in a few pages. I mean, you know, Flash was really our, it was our bridge through the 2000s. It, it, it enabled uh, developers to do a lot of really, really cool things during the time when we didn't have a lot of uniformity on the web, when we needed kind of a common player, a common language to be able to deliver content. Um as obviously mobile devices came out, that kind of created the the beginning of the end with Flash. You know, the famous Steve Jobs open letter to Flash, and and so that it, it really has gone away in the sense it's 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 not a medium that we, it's like it's like me trying to speak in a language that I created myself to people and being like, why can't anyone understand me? It's my language. You know, it's like well, no. Nowadays we want to have a common language where we can all speak, whether you're on mobile or desktop um, or hollow lens or refrigerator wherever you know you have code running we yeah. want to be able and that and the web has really enabled that so the places where flash is still surviving is kind of sometimes in the video and media realm because video players on some platforms still need it um, but that's not really the case anymore so it, it's it you shouldn't be using it if you are using it nowadays it's kind of the the the, 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 the uh, why the do take people away. still use it what what are some situations where because it does seem like it's barely yeah. hanging on no, I mean, the, the, I would say the number one reason people are using it is because they don't have either the desire to re-implement whatever has been implemented. I mean, there are some very complicated things made in Flash. And, and so if you don't have a user base that wants to view things on mobile devices, then you can stick with yeah. Flash and be safe. But, I mean, browsers are blocking Flash. Now, in Chrome, you got to click to enable it. Um, you know, it's not even shipping with with uh, some browsers anymore. So uh, you, you have to have a very unique user base in order to be able to use it. Otherwise, I mean, you're just, you know, people are just not able to see your content. Yeah, the last two guests we've had on have both come at it from um, or have worked with uh, AIs when mm -hmm. we think of the Amazon devices or sure. in, in the, we didn't specifically talk about this, but Microsoft's Cortana, oh, yeah, Google yeah, yeah. Home. When you think about web development, and and we're moving, it, it appears we're moving to a more uh, vocal world as opposed to a visual world that'll mm -hmm. still exist. Any thoughts? Is a is a do you do a lot of web stuff? Any thoughts? Is do you have to do web development any different, knowing that it may get scraped and get served up via mm -hmm. audio? Yeah. Any no, thoughts on that? Well, I think I think that's that's a really important point because. I mean, not only is is it the, the cool and sexy technology of like being on your couch and like yelling out like, "Hey, Cortana, look this thing up for me or do this for me," you know, but it's also from the accessibility standpoint of being able to have your content you're creating on your web be consumed by you know people with a visual or or, or audio or like hearing impairment um, and or color blindness, all of the things that can be barriers to content and and being able to consume that content. If our if our websites that we're creating can be read by machines and vocalized that way, that's a really great way to make it accessible to people who wouldn't otherwise be able to consume it that way. And and so accessibility has always been a big thing on the web. And over the years, people have some people have made better efforts to make their content accessible. Some 
not really because it's you know behind some sort of you know it's a a big huge complicated system where you can't really navigate it without a mouse or without you know using you know your vision to be able to see what you're doing um, so that fact that our content can be scraped up through artificial intelligence or screen readers or any other uh, uh, you know truly assistive devices is, is, a, is a great way to be able to deliver that content yeah I feel a little bit like um, that this world and okay I'll, I'll call it AI I know mm-hmm. it's not but let's just call it AI For simplicity it's easy to say yeah AI. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it feels a little bit like mid, the, the mid '90s when I would access the internet through AOL or yeah. CompuServe, right? <laughs> and uh, it, today we just go right to the internet. We don't yeah. even think about it. I feel like in the world of AI, there's certain things they work really well with, and then other mm-hmm. things they just fall apart. All of them, and I think of the Echo, doesn't do a great. Its search is terrible. Yeah. Yep. Um, Google fixes that a little bit, but it has trouble with other things. The integrations with yeah, you know, yeah. e-commerce and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Cortana is awesome with productivity and knowing your email yep. and some of those kinds of things and scheduling and mapping and stuff like that. Um, do you think we've, when we think about, you know, they can all find things on Wikipedia, but that seems to be about it. Yeah. Are there other things that we could be doing from a web development perspective that would make it easier for these things when they hit the page? Do you think that has to come? Yeah. Yet? Well, I think, you know, I think that's a lot of the, uh, you know what I was talking to earlier about how we we're kind of we're, we're we're developing towards standards now as opposed to just like I want to use like this technology and I don't care where it works or you know whatever you know we're our our mentality has shifted in how we create things and so you know there are uh, standardized ways that you can you know like metadata you can add into your page to to create that sort of structure and you know a good like a very concise example is the way you know when you when you tweet out a link. Sometimes that link you tweeted shows a really nice picture, you know, a little headline, maybe like a, a four a four or five word blurb. You know, other times it just shows like a link or maybe like a wrong picture because Twitter's trying to pick up on what the content is, right? Well, you can put that metadata onto your article. So when you post on Facebook, when you tweet it out, the the engine where it's going through knows, okay, this is the summary. This is the title. This is kind of the, the the featured image I should use, you know, to kind of sell the content. And AI can be picking up on that too. You know, they can utilize those things that are already there to be able to get that high level summary of what the content is, if this is appropriate for what the user wants. And so I think there's, you know, with any kind of new technology, there's always that awkward period of like, why would I want this? Like I remember like back in you know like 2000 when my cell phone got a camera on it and you know it's just it was like the worst camera ever right just horrible and my cell phone like it had terrible battery life and reception i'm like why would any like i don't want a phone in my or a you know a camera in my phone like work on making the reception better blah blah blah, blah. and then like you know you know flash forward years later i can't like live without having a camera that i can take pictures of things like all the time right so we have that sort of like awkward like figure out where this technology fits into our daily life. And then all of a sudden it like, we can't imagine life without it. I think there's, I think there's going to need to be more when we think of uh, crawlers, especially AI coming in, I think there's going to be need to be more clues yeah. as to what that is because yep. we have some amazing ability to ask questions uh, and yeah. not only ask questions, but give options. So, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody lands on my podcast page, I would like it to be able to say, you know, be able to pick up my menu items and yeah. say, would you like to read this? Or would you like me to read this to you? Mm-hmm. Would you like to listen to this podcast? Yeah. Would you like to? So I'd love to see some of that more functionality. Do you think 
Are there some processes there yet doing that, or are we? I think we're still a ways away. From well, that? and that's that really is, I think, on the AI developers or those uh, the, the companies creating those models to tap into the accessibility features that are on the web, because really what you want is the same thing you would want uh, someone with a visual impairment using a screen reader to do when they hit your page, right? When they hit your page, you don't want them to have to like navigate through a bunch of like random content before getting to the menu because like you want them to be able to get to that search button or whatever really fast to be able to find what they're looking for. So being able to use arias and roles and, and uh, you know, alt text on images and things to be able to like describe to that device what this is and if this is important or not for them to read to the user or if this is something really not important right away and we want them to get to that menu first and then read even though the menu says like search well if it's an assistive device or ai device we don't want it just to say search we want it to say search for the latest articles and podcasts or you wanted to see something that wouldn't look good visually because it's too long for a menu, but sounds great to someone who can't see what it is. Yeah. Facebook has done a lot with their developer API to tell you mm -hmm. how your page is going to be exposed to them. Yep. I'd love to see that on the same AI side. So for yep. for uh, Google Home, for Cortana, for yeah, Amazon and I, Echo. I, and I think it's a no-brainer for them to not only provide those kind of tools to be able to see, like, okay, if someone is searching on this, this is what they're going to get, but also kind of like tie those in with what we already have, like what, what Facebook yeah. and Twitter and what we do on the web right now, because that that technology is there from our standpoint. We just want those other tools to be able to tap into it yeah. and know what they know what they want to see uh, so we can add it to our pages. My, I just, um, my wife just got a new 2016 uh, Subaru Outback and it's got eyesight on it. Oh, really? And it, you know, it does things like tell you if you're getting off out of the lane or if, yeah. if a car in front of you breaks it will do an assistive break for you but i am dying to see what it sees like yeah, i want to yeah. hack into that there should be you know it's got a it's got a big camera you know yeah. on there i'd love it if they had a eyesight you know what it's seeing yeah like sort of like a like a visualization of like yeah, all like the things what is it doing yeah like i'm sure there's all kinds of things that are happening i'd love the same thing when we think about ai so yeah here's my site now if i play it against what does it look? What does it sound what, like yeah. on this? Or what does it? What is? What is this device seeing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it and that's you know and that and again like that's that isn't anything that like really should be too complicated for them to you know provide as tooling because that's the same thing we do with accessibility tools. Like, what does my site look like? You know, on the Jaws screen reader. You know, or right. what is that? What does the Jaws? How does this Jaws screen reader interpret it? So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What What are you hoping in your session today? What are you hoping people? What's the one or two things? How much time do we get in these? I, I, it's a forty-five minute session. 45? So yeah, this is just you know the, the, the classic you know regular session. I should have so done I, my prep. Yeah, because uh, I'm thinking like I have the same amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> I probably think through what I'm going to say. But uh, what are you hoping the one or two things people walk away with? I mean, the, the the main thing is just understanding what tools are there for them because you know the the browser developer tools have been there for a long time. And when I'm teaching, you know, an in, whether it's an intro to web development class or even like a more advanced topics class. Um, not only will people who have been doing web development learn, learn new things, like, wow, like I'll have people who are like, I didn't know that was there, but I'll see somebody using it and, and there's a feature that I didn't even realize was in there, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. How long has that been in there? Oh, for like three years, you know, like, oh. And what, what's cool about these tools is that 
they're, they're, they're not anything you have to download and have installed or like ask IT to get. They're, they're just in the browser and they're kind of every single browser has them. Some are better than others. Like, like I, I really like the Chrome developer tools. Firefox has some really nice ones. Edge has a great set of tools as well. And they'll each individually maybe have a feature that is better for a certain situation. And so it's kind of like just getting your hands dirty in the browser to help you more quickly identify like whatever the, the bug you're trying to solve, it, you know, why this image has a bunch of white space on one side of it and it won't go up against the edge, you know, just all the little things that we would struggle over over the years that are laid out for us just in the browser. So it really speeds up your workflow and you don't have to fully use them. You can just use one little piece of them and but they're just there for you to use. So so AIM puts a big emphasis on this conference on learning and, and it's free for yeah. college students, which is awesome. High yeah. school and college students. If you had a if you were talking to a brand new web developer, you know, somebody's in high school and they just decided, you know, I want to do this web development thing and I mm-hmm. want to kind of get into this, what would you tell them? Like what are a couple steps they could take to start what they should what should they be doing to start getting in this ecosystem? Yeah, like the the number one thing is just do something you know like i like i think like the 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 really great thing about nowadays is it's a really exciting time to be a web developer because there is so much uh technology you can take advantage of there's so many places you can have your content live like i said like hololens like there's a whole api for you to basically use web technologies to create your your virtual environments you know or to like you know manipulate those virtual environments so it's a it's a great time for that. The problem is there are so many tools out there. It, it's sometimes a little paralyzing on where do I start? Because it isn't like a traditional like, oh, you want to go into video? Get your hands on a copy of Premiere. Like if you understand Premiere start to finish, like you're going to be solid. Like that's a great, you know, that's a great editor to use. You know, or you can just kind of like pick a tool and just kind of like learn that. Whereas on the web, you read one blog and they're like, okay, yeah, just, you know, use Node, install these packages, and then just config, you know, this, this. another person's like, oh, use React, use Angular. There's just all these different directions you can go that can sometimes, again, be paralyzing. And if, you, if you're starting out, the main thing, I mean, understanding HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, those are the number, or those are the, the, the three technologies that are the paramount technologies on the web. And find a website that you like, try to recreate it. You know, just try to copy it and do it from scratch. You know, have a brother or sister or uncle who needs a site for it. You know, just build something. Just start getting your hands dirty with it because just reading articles and watching videos and stuff, it, it, it doesn't get you using it. And I learn best when I'm actually doing something, when I'm actually moving forward versus trying to decide. So, you know, that's what I always tell people is just start, just start building something. Find a, find a site that you like or a tutorial, take the files, start messing with the code, see what happens. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the more you do, the more you start to get those preferences for what you like, what you don't like, and you can start making decisions on the technologies that you want to use. You mentioned HoloLens. You've actually mentioned it twice since I've been interviewing. No, I, I, it's because it's such a cool thing. No, right on. <laughs> AR, VR. Now I think we're calling it mixed reality. Yeah, I yeah, yep, yep. It, it, I think we've fallen. I think the virtual industry. reality is like so like 1990. Like you know, it doesn't. It, it, it's like it's like not really like it's like we're actually beyond that now. Well, <laughs> and it was always you would you would talk about these two technologies and you would end up explaining mm-hmm. them to people. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody just got sick of that. Like, hey, let's just call this mixed reality, yeah. right? And we'll we'll do, if we need to know more. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about 
this this mixed reality environment that's coming and you think of web development right i mean users are seeing through mm -hmm. to or interacting with the web much like the ai devices that we weren't titled correctly when we first started but ai we called them ai when you think about mixed reality as a web developer are there places for web developers in this world well you know I, what, what what's funny is like i mean on the surface absolutely because you know, I could only imagine somebody like being like, hey, you know what, you know, like nowadays it's like, I can't look at your site on my mobile phone. It's kind of broken, right? And, and you know, now someone will come up to you and be like, so I was in this uh, HoloLens environment and your site was projected on a wall <laughs> at an angle and I couldn't read it. So could you debug that for me? And, you know, like, like so we, we have to like con consider our content being, uh, you know, but more, you know, uniformly, I mean, the, the web is kind of the basis for everything now, right? Like, you just, we just can't imagine really doing anything without being able to quick Google it or, you know, upload a file, you know, send a file to someone through, you know, through a service. On, you know, we have all these things online. I, I think what's great about the web platform is, you know, it's here to stay. It's not, it's not a fad, right? So we, as if we're building our content in a way that it's, you know, accessible and able to be consumed across devices that we're used to, finding adapting them to environments that we might not be from you know that are new that are a mixed reality environment will be easier because we're in this sort of like the content is king era let's make sure our users can get to that content and not let our technology be the barrier like a, like a website with lots of images that takes five six seven seven seconds to download on a fast wi-fi connection where on a 3g or 2G connection might take a minute or two. Like we can't have that. We need our users to get our content. And so so that's where the flexibility that we're building our content right now should make it more adaptable to those mixed reality environments. Yeah, you, you mentioned time and that'll be even more interesting when we live in, you know, when it's on the screen and I type it and it takes a second for it to yeah. come up, I'm kind of patient. Will that change and be even more critical in this mixed reality. I, you know, I, I think it is right now. And there, you know, there's kind of like this buzzword or this little buzz phrase right now. Like, you know, we have like WWW, the World Wide Web, right? But oftentimes, especially us in more developed countries with better technologies, tend to think of it as like the, the wealthy Western web, right? <laughs> because we're, yeah, look, I pull out my phone on my LTE connection and like the site loads great, right? Well, but you don't realize that even a connection that's half that fast, it might take three or four seconds, even before someone sees anything. And our attention spans are not there today. So, um, and even that bandwidth costs money. There's a, there's a website that's great um, called uh, whatdoesmysitecost.com. And it, 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 it piggybacks on um, web, webpagetest.org, which is kind of like a great benchmark tool for just testing your performance of your website. But whatdoesmywebsitecost.com, you put in your URL, and it literally tells you how much it would cost someone to view your site. So, for example, like the Infotech site, I think in the U.S. is 17 cents. So the way they're calculating that is they're looking at like, okay, well, what does a data plan cost? You know, so you get two gigs per month. Well, you can break that down based on, you know, what you pay per month for those two gigs. So it's a little, you know, tongue in cheek yeah. in that. But it, but it, when you look at like that compared to like maybe a connection in, you know, Central Africa or somewhere in, you know, India that maybe doesn't have as much access to, um, you know, high speed internet or they're on feature phones and, and phones are their main, main uh, tool for accessing, you know, costing a, a dollar or two, you know, in our money to access a site. Can you imagine like every site you're going to costing you like a buck or two like that? 
That is crazy to think about. Yeah. And you might surf differently yeah. if you knew that. Yeah. Like well, if exactly. it said, hey, it's going to cost you two bucks. To that site does not load fast. You're not going to use that site. site. Yeah. And, and, we, and we all know what our, you know, you hit, get that yeah. message from, you know, Verizon or whoever that like you're almost out of data. You know, you're going to go over your data limit. And we kind of, you know, shrug that off. I know. Um, in sort some of. cases. But, you know, that adds up. Yeah. And if if your data plan is like you cannot go over, you know, or you're limited, you know, because like you have so little data because you can't afford it, you make some big choices yeah. on the kind of content you access. That's interesting because Cox Communications here in Nebraska just went uh, tiered, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, and yep. metered. And they'd been threatening this for a while. Yep. And then finally they implemented it. And I think everybody in Nebraska is maybe on their second they two. They, there were two. You know, two mulligans. Sure. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. We'll give you two. All right, but we're serious this time. <laughs> and so I've been thinking, like, you, you know, I I, I binge watched a bunch of video off Netflix this weekend. Yeah. And I I, I started thinking. Better check. Well, my, I wonder. I wonder what that cost what me. Kind of you know. Yeah. I did. To yeah. My, to my and, and and that's and that's a big. Like I said, it, it it ends up like I I do make like strategic decisions about like I know I'm on Wi-Fi, so. I can use I can use my content that way, you know, or I can access content when I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm I'm you know safer doing that than I am just yeah. you know out in the out in the world on LTE, you know, using my using my phone's data plan. But you know, and that I think that's gonna that begins to really sift through if you're if you're in a high competitive market and your site is a chunky slow site, people are gonna go to the alternative because they they recognize that they know every time they go to that they site it's faster. It's go fast. I, it, I ironically, so on Cox now, anything over uh, anything over your terabyte is sold at ten dollars per ten gig. Yeah, and then on my phone, I just got a ten gig hotspot for the month. Sure. So if I get close, <laughs> yeah, you have you have like your strategic plan, right? Okay, so when I get to this, I turn on the hotspot. I'm going to use that for until I hit this point. Then I'm going to roll back over and use the overages there because that's cheaper than the hotspot overages. Roll into the hotspot, yeah. <laughs> honey. We're rolling to the hotspot. Uh, she has ten. We are a hotspot only uh, situation right now. Code hotspot. Well, she has ten, and I have ten, and my daughter has ten. So we're good. We got thirty yeah, yeah. gig. Yeah. You can borrow um, each other's, uh, you know, like data too, right? Your yeah. daughter could be like, "Dad, I got, I got like five gig left, so you know, up that uh, for a few bucks here, I you know." know. <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't that crazy that we think that? Well, Dustin, thanks for yeah. jumping in here. It's always great to have this you. This was fun. Uh, join us here. Actually, I, I'm, I'm, pl it. I'm planning on uh, HDC this year. Assuming, assuming I get in, you know, I, I get allowed in. So well, they keep, well, they keep, let, they keep inviting you back. Which yeah, is a good yeah, sign. So, uh, yeah. And they keep inviting us back, which is a good sign. So if you're watching live, and there's a few of you that are watching live, um, we're going to mute the mics for a second. We'll have the next guest up here in just a few minutes. Dustin, yeah. thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Good to see you. You bet. That was tons of fun to have Dustin uh, there and um, and to be able to do that interview. He's just one of my favorite guys, and I uh, love having him on the show. And uh, he is just a good he's good he's a good average guy developer, and I just always appreciate that. We'll save a couple of the other ones. John Ross, uh, who actually wrote a book, he was uh, Amazon worked at Amazon. Um, he he was the keynote. You know, Rossman actually is his last name. John Rossman. He'll come up. Edward uh, Weniger Weininger. I think it's Weininger. I always, I always get that wrong. I always say when I say Weininger, and I think it's Weininger. He uh, from uh, from Alpha BTC. We've had him on before talking about Bitcoin. He was there as well. So we we got a few queued up. As I look at the list, uh, a few more maybe for another rainy day when we can't get a podcast in. Hope you guys enjoyed that, and uh, we will when we do the audio for the show going out. I'll pull those videos in and, and clean them up a little bit. They're a little noisy. 
But uh, kind of fun to be able to do that kind of podcasting at the Heartland, or I'm sorry, at this one at Infotech. Heartland Developer Conference is coming up in the fall, and uh, we'll probably do it again and get some really good interviews out of those. It's fun to do that from the floor. Quick, concise 20 minutes, not quite the hour that we do here. But uh, for those of you out in the chat room, thanks for hanging with us through the show. Some good, uh, some good conversation go out there. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv. Slash live, forward slash live. Love to have you come out and join us for the live show. I hope uh, live folks, I hope you appreciated that or enjoyed it. You stayed around. Not too many people dropped. So good to have you out there. Remind you, if you want to financially support what we do here, uh, you can join us on the Patreon link available right there on the front page at TheAverageGuy.tv. Or you can go to TheAverageGuy.tv slash support. That will take you to that page as well. And I want to thank those uh, supporters that are out there. That uh, each and every month uh, leave their support intact. Appreciate that. Helps kind of pay the bills for what we're doing. Just builds a little bit of cushion since losing Amazon. That was pretty painful to lose that Amazon affiliate link. But uh, we appreciate your support as well. Don't forget, if you want to contact me, got any uh, feedback for the show, send that to Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget also, TheAverageGuy.tv uh, platform powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed uh, hosting from people that you know and you trust. You know that's Christian. Plans start as little as $10 a month. That includes a lot of stuff, too, by the way. Check it out, maplegrovepartners.com. And then don't forget about the mobile app. We appreciate LastPass and their sponsorship of, of the mobile app. If you want to get access to that and download, it's really a good way to listen to it, although tonight it kind of failed on me. I have to do some check on the Spreaker stuff. It didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't sounding very good. So we didn't play Spreaker tonight, but we appreciate uh, LastPass and Spreaker. For their sponsorship of the mobile app, you can get that. Download it really easy. Head out to homegadgetgeeks.com. All right. Well, there we go. There's an hour. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out. Tonight, we'll have Uyghur back next week. And uh, we've got uh, Rich Hay coming next week. By this time, next Thursday, the Creators Update will have been rolling since Tuesday. So Creators Update for Windows rolls out on the 11th. And... Um, be interesting to know if you've uh, if you're going to install it right away. I've been running it on a couple PCs here in the fast ring, and uh, I don't see why you wouldn't actually at this point. But you know, everybody's hardware is a little bit different, and so it is. Uh, it's one of those things we'll have to see. Um, you know, have to see how it goes. We'll know. I think by Thursday we'll have a pretty good idea. The the anniversary update didn't go really well by the a couple days after, and so we'll have some ideas of what's going on. Rich Hayes coming on next week. You will want to join us live for that. We're, we're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at TheAverageGuy.tv Live. With that, we'll say goodnight.